I don't want to be a martyr. Nor I. I want to live. That is good. For believing what you do, we confer upon you a rare gift these days. A martyr's death. The cross commands you. The blood of the martyrs commands you. I wrote them down in my diary so that I wouldn't have to remember. Marcus Aurelius was the last emperor, technically, well not technically, historically attributed to the Pax Romana, the Roman peace that typically symbolized the first two centuries A.D. None of that A.C.E. garbage around here. If your only exposure to Marcus Aurelius is the movie Gladiator, then... <laughs> um, there's a little bit more going on there with this dude. So, what do we know about good old Marky Mark here? Well, he was a Stoic philosopher emperor, which is odd for a guy who was one of the biggest persecutors of the church. You'd see, you'd think that Stoicism leading to, well, indifference is not a great description, but it's the best thing we've got, an indifference to the trials, tribulations, and sufferings of the world. A person who tries to maintain an even keel to avoid the the pitfalls of the ups and downs of life. You would think that would borderline be a Christian ethic, learning to have joy in suffering and things like that. Yeah, it, it wasn't. He, he despised the Christians and went after them almost in ways worse than anyone else. And when I mean worse, I mean both numerically and functionally. <coughs> Excuse me. I mean, he, case in point, like, you thought Nero was bad. I mean, I think Nero was bad, because Nero, wait for it, was bad. But how about a guy who would take his prisoners and crush their feet in presses? So, like, you take two boards, you, you, you know what a press is. You crush the feet, and then you force the person to walk over sharp objects, like nails and thorns and crushed seashells that are found by the seashore, uh, pottery shards and stuff like that. I mean, ugh. he would um, he would have people whipped until organs and veins were exposed, and then just let them you know bleed and things like that. Fed people to lions, burned them alive, beaten with clubs, beheaded. That's always a it's always a favorite. Is the uh, the good old fashioned beheading, burned with brass plates. This is um, this is a good one. You take a brass plate and you heat it up. You know, literally like glowing hot. And then you take the brass plate that is now super-duper toasty warm and you press it against someone's skin and you just hold it there as it burns its way through until it touches bone. Then you reheat it and pick another spot. Another good one. You take someone, you strip them naked, and you strap them to a metal chair. You then build a fire under said metal chair until the chair is glowing hot. You're probably sitting there going, who thinks of these things? I have, well, apparently Marcus Aurelius and his executioners. But this is the evil and the anger of the world. This is what they do to try to get everyone to deny Christ so that they themselves can have their consciences soothed by your approval and 
thumbs up to their wonderful lifestyles. We'll go back here, gladiator reference. They, they think the Christians are just sitting out there giving them the commodest thumbs down, and they want the thumbs up. Therefore, they hate you. And when I say they hate you, I mean this sort of thing. <clears throat> so what kind of hit list does good old uh, Marcus have? Well, Justin Martyr, guy you may have heard of, writer of the Apology. Justin is on his list. A, a lovely Christian lady named Blandina was on the list. Felicitatis, who was a wealthy Roman woman, so literally of the nobility, the upper crust, she was on the list. And our subject for today, Polycarp, is on the list. Now, real quick, this is a historical contention. Some people move Polycarp back. Some people put them here. Put him here, rather. Just kind of depends on how you want to read the history because of Polycarp's age and the time frame. Um, there's a little bit more of a historical movement to push him into the 150s out of the reign of Marcus Aurelius. At the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. I mean, uh, Fox's Book of Martyrs holds to the old traditional date of the 160s, but again, it doesn't matter. And we're going to include him here simply because it's a convenient place to put it. And it doesn't really matter if it was 155 or 162 or 166. It, it, it does not matter. So what's a polycarp? It is not a mini fish. He was the Bishop of Smyrna, which is on the western coast of Anatolia along the Aegean Sea. That is modern-day Turkey for you geography uh, lovers there. He was a disciple of John. I mean, John the Apostle John was apparently as a child or a young adult somewhere in that ballpark converted to the faith by the preaching of John and then instilled as bishop at a very early age. We mentioned uh, he's a friend of Ignatius. If you were listening to the Ignatius episode, we mentioned Polycarp. Well, Polycarp, <coughs> excuse me. Polycarp was arrested for testimony and preaching. I mean, this is what this is what happens. There is some uh, fun story on Polycarp's arrest that apparently there's two traditions on this that I'm aware of. One holds that the church was attempting to keep this. Uh, respected and beloved aged bishop alive. So as the Romans were coming around to get him, they would hide him from place to place and try to, you know, move him out the back door while the Romans were coming in the front door. While the Romans were coming in the back door, they were sending him out the side door and, and just trying to keep him alive. And that Polycarp got, eventually got sick of this and was like, I'm done. I'm just going to sit here and get arrested. Another tradition says they came for him and while in escape... Uh, apparently a child saw him, and that alerted the soldiers, and they were able to round him up. If you ask me, I'm actually probably partial to the first story, although it's distinctly possible that both are true, and there's just a mixture of them as they go together. So again, it doesn't really matter. It just kind of is what it is. Now, fun, the other fun part is apparently the guards who arrested him, he made a request that he be given an hour to pray before they took him off. And they agreed to this request. I mean, they had him, an 80-something-year-old man. He's not going anywhere. So they gave him this request, and before he took this opportunity to pray, he apparently fed them. He made them a meal. I don't know what that was consisted of. And then prayed for his allotted hour that they'd given him to the point that the soldiers apologized for arresting him. They, were, they felt bad. <laughs> they, they were still going to do it, but, but they felt bad. Um, it, part of his surviving legacy is actually his letter to the Philippians. It's one of the oldest extant... Uh, Christian testimonies from the church father period. Now, the actual martyrdom. You can kind of figure out how this goes. Polycarp is offered release if he would recant his faith. He refuses. 
there's a little bit of back and forth. He is eventually bound to a post, and he is burned. Now, none of that is spectacular or unusual. What is a little bit unusual is there is a lot of legend that is surrounding the death of Polycarp. Such as, apparently, while the fires were burning, he was singing psalms and praying and praising God, and the fires didn't burn him. So he had to be stabbed, and then apparently his bleeding put the flames out. That's one of the miracles attributed to it. And I don't know. Would I be shocked if God did something like that? No. Do I think that happened? Probably not. Would I be shocked if the church tried to instill some miraculous event around his death? No. No, I wouldn't be surprised by that at all. The fun part for us is it doesn't matter because we don't need it. The reason why we like Polycarp so much, and by we, I mean me and the other voices in my head. The reason we enjoy this guy so much is because this is like a biblical character in this world. So one of my favorite Bible characters is uh, Caleb. And I say characters, you know what I mean, people. Caleb's an 80-something-year-old dude. He's like, hey, me and my family want to go conquer our land. we got to go kill some people to take the land God has promised. So you good, Joshua? And Joshua's like, yep. And 80-something-year-old Caleb marches off with his sons and his grandsons and takes care of business and conquers his land. That's Polycarp. Whereas Caleb does it by the edge of the sword, Polycarp does it by grace and peace through the gospel preached. So when he was offered his chance to recant, he is quoted as saying, Eighty and six years I have, have I served him, talking about Christ, and he never did me any injury. How then can I blaspheme my king and my savior? That's a good answer. It's a really good answer. Apparently there's a little bit of back and forth, and it's recorded for us like this. The proconsul said, I have wild animals here. I will throw you to them, and if you do not repent, I'm sorry, I will throw them to you if you do not repent. I like how the proconsul uses the repentance language to repent of your Christianity. Call them, Polycarp replied. Excuse me. It is unthinkable for me to repent from what is good to turn to what is evil. I will be glad, though, to be charged, to be changed from evil to righteous. That's a good response. The proconsul replied, If you despise the animals, I will have you burned. Polycarp replied, You threaten me with fire which burns for but an hour and is then extinguished. But you know nothing of the fire of the coming judgment and eternal punishment reserved for the ungodly. Why are you waiting? Bring on whatever you want. That's a dude right there. That's a dude. That's a little bit more so than even I'm just, you know, I'm just an old man who's old and tired and sick of all of this. That is a, I know who my Redeemer is. I know what the future holds. You might want to make sure of who you are and what your future holds before your life is over. And as we already mentioned, uh, Polycarp was tied to the stake. Normally they would actually nail you to the stake in order to keep you there. But when the soldiers approached, he told them there's no need. The God of all grace who strengthens me to endure this time will endure me to hold still in the flames. So they tied him to the post, and Polycarp stayed there. That's a dude of faith. That's a man who practiced what he preached, who walked the walk commensurate with the talk that he had devoted his life to. This is the heritage and the testimony that we as Christians have handed down to us. This is the legacy that we are called to. The world hates you. That's fine. God loves you if you are in Christ. Therefore, there is nothing to fear and there is nothing to worry about. No matter what may come, the God of all grace who has called you will see you through to the day of completion. Until we meet again, read your Bible. It'll do you good.
界。